Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. This is a very special service. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Everybody read Proverbs 4, 23 together. One, two, go. Hallelujah. Another translation says to guard. This is, this is um, a language for defense. Oh, who is guarding him? Because you see, in most sports, it's not enough to have a great offense. You must also have a great defense and applies spiritual things. It is one thing to be vibrant and to keep receiving information, great information that can build you up. But you see, whenever you stuff a house with treasures, you should be bothered about security also. You must have locks on the door. And if the knowledge of God in your heart is so valuable. Then there must be locks on your door. It says, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. It says, because literally, out of it are the issues of life. You cannot have a better Christian experience than the quality of your spirit. And so you must protect what you hear. The meditations that you, you keep. What do you ponder? In Matthew chapter 13, the Bible gives us the parable of the sower. Some fell on good soil, some by the wayside, some um, amongst thorns. And the interpretation of that parable, Jesus said the, the, the seed that fell amongst thorns is akin to someone who received the word of God. But the cares of life sprung up around him and choked the word. Listen, you can receive a word that is active in you, inspiring faith in you. And then circumstances arise. And then the faith, especially in that particular aspect, begins to diminish because of trials, tribulations, and it's a real issue. It's a real issue. Can I tell you something? A crucial aspect of spiritual growth is fidelity, stamina. Let me tell you this, young people. When you see elderly people who have been in Christ for decades, respect them. Listen, they might not know as many Greek words as you do. And knowledge is important. You know how we, you know, how we celebrate the truth of God's word in this ministry. But there is another aspect I want to talk about, and that's fidelity, stamina. Where Jesus says that you bear fruit and your fruit abides, it remains. It's another aspect entirely that you pass through fire and you are not burnt. So, especially in our day where knowledge is abundant almost to a fault. You can go on the internet and just digest nonsense. 
So relatively, knowledge is cheaper. But there are some people who don't really know much, but the little they know has been tested. Come on, do you get what I'm saying? And so I'm here to get it, get some stamina. There was some unshaken life. I'm, I'm going to talk about this for a while, you convictions. Where God tells Abraham, he says, Ishmael will not be your son. I'm going to give you a son from your oins and from Sarah. He believes. And after decades of waiting, he gets a son. And that's not even the great part or the surprising part. Then one morning, God says, take your son, your only son whom you love. For avoidance of doubt so you don't think i'm talking about ishmael and sacrifice him to me you know what myriads of contradictions it is the pagan gods that accept human sacrifices what is god up to now god of course did not want him to sacrifice isaac this was just meant to be a powerful gospel imagery of god sacrificing christ for us do you understand what i'm saying so it was never going to happen but how was abraham going to know he could have said, oh, this God, he said this, why is this happening? Some of us jump into conclusions about, you know, our perspective of present realities. Without waiting to see what God is up to, we've concluded. But like I would often say, your conviction will always influence your conclusions. So, I mean, think of Abraham. I'm going to still talk about this later. He said, if God said that he's going to give me a mighty lineage through Isaac, and now God is asking me to sacrifice Isaac, that means God is planning to raise Isaac up. God did not tell him this. He put one and two together on his own because he cannot just embrace the possibility of the word of God failing. Are you getting this? There are many things that, you know, you, you might consider Abraham to be the father of faith for. But this one struck me the most. That for Abraham, it was easier to think that God's plan was for Isaac to die and rise. Than to think that God had changed his mind about his lineage coming through Isaac. Alright? You know, your conviction will always influence your conclusion. But it's that hard struggle, that hard fight we're here to address. Praise the name of the Lord. Turn your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Chapter 3 verse 4. You see, what I'm about to read to you is one of the duties of an apostle. I call it heart management. Where you descend by the Spirit and by observation... All right, what is lacking in the faith of people so that you can teach and protect their hearts in that direction? And every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God by teaching, you can tear down and root down. And so Paul had planted this church and now he's traveled. But then he has this to say in verse 4. He says, for verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tri tribulation, even as it has come to pass and ye know. 
Meaning, I already told you from the word of God. Jesus said, you will go through diverse tests. You will see tribulations. I told you that. And he says, now you're seeing it. But then in verse 5, he says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear. You see, there was a paranoia. You see, par listen, when I read this the first time, I understood some of the things I do. Because I'm always watching. How is your heart? How are they doing? He says, when I could no longer forbear, I sense to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. That after the word of God sprung up so powerfully in your heart, you have allowed the cares of this world to root out and extinguish the great work that the Lord has founded in your heart. He says, I could no longer forbear. I just had to know how you were doing. That's why I'm here this morning. Hallelujah. And so if you came here, you know, with questions, I came to infuse strength into your heart by the Spirit. By the time you're leaving this place, you'll be so full of the Spirit, full of strength, full of assurance for the future. Say loud, amen. amen. Every feeble knee will receive strength. Fresh legs to run. So shall it be. Oh, what a year it has, it has been. <laughs> Someone says, it looks like we're in a game of Jumanji. Who is opening this game somewhere? Someone is opening. <laughs> From COVID to, you know, to Black Lives Matter, you know, to the massacre, to, to personal trials that some of you have had to go through. Like I said, your conviction will always influence your conclusions. Uh, and what's sad is that some people who um, are not well taught, are not well trained, you know, in those trying times, just like the Bible has already said, now begin to ponder and think thoughts that are not really consistent with the Word of God. Make no mistake. There is the temptation to ask why sometimes. I've been there before. I went through such a tough time. You know, my father-in-law placed his hand on my shoulder and said, God is good. And I frowned my face. I'm admitting this to you, at least for a few seconds. There was a time in my life, not in the world, I was a pastor. <laughs> that someone said, God is good. And I frowned my face. He held me tighter and he said you preach it you preach it hey he said you preach it remember you preach it hallelujah and if you're not careful you begin to use the wrong lenses to observe God human perspectives you know what the Bible says in Isaiah 55 Verse 8 and verse 9. I want to move very quickly because we're actually just here to sing and worship. Are you ready for that? In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and verse 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes, you know, when you go through diverse tests, you want to reason from a carnal perspective. What if it, why didn't God do it this way? What if it had happened this way? And this and this and this. And listen, no matter how strong you are in the Lord, there will be those temptations once in a while. But what matters the most is your conclusion. If it now affects you, your reluctance to come to church, or maybe you don't even come anymore, or you allow it to affect your prayer life for too long. Too long. Some people had such a tough time praying last week. Yes or yes? That's where the issue comes. And you, you see, so I, I just came to help you and to teach you. You see, when you want to walk with God, you need to understand who God is. All right? You need to understand who you're dealing with. God is very different. Unlike any other person you've ever dealt with. Very different. You have to understand from his perspective. Has it ever happened to you? Let me, be, let me give this example. <laughs> have you ever bought something that you can afford, but someone else who doesn't have the privilege that you have, things, he just can't understand why you would spend so much on a shirt. Has it happened to you before? And the person is looking at you and the person is critical, like, why would you do that? You know, because your priorities are different and your exposures are different and your privileges are different. Years ago, I even said, you know, why would someone spend this type of money on your phone? <laughs> I said it. You know, and I sat with such a person, and then um, one, one of such people years ago, and we're having lunch, and he just, in fact, when, when I said what I said, I was just like, how would God feel? You know, years ago, forgive me, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, how would God feel? How can you do this? You know, have you seen all these kind of people? It's the ministry of Judas. I'm telling you, that's what Judas did. This alabaster box that was broken would have given it to the poor. And the Bible says he didn't say that because he cared about the poor. He just wanted his share. That's what he wanted. But that's not why I said it. <laughs> you know, I was just saying like, ah, you gather this money to buy food. You know, and I was sitting with such a person and he was telling me, you know, how the Lord had helped him in his business. Apparently, that amount for the phone, he makes twice of it every week. You, you, you understand what I mean? So that was the first humbling part. I said, okay. Say, okay, okay. <laughs> and then he says, oh, he has done this for the poor, done this for the gospel, done this for his family members, done this for, you know. And he just said, let me do something nice for myself. I'll get myself a phone. I said, ha, ah, makes sense. So. <laughs> Yeah, we've all made mistakes. 
Someone was telling me about a sermon a man of God preached years ago. Years ago. He said, I don't like phone. I don't like phone. I don't have a phone because I don't like it. I'm sure he has changed his mind. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, when something is expensive, we like to pretend as if, oh, oh, you know. I've made that mistake before. But sometimes in our relationship with God, we make the same mistake. We forget who God is. And from our own human thinking, listen, as a child of God, you're not meant to think like that because we have the mind of Christ and you know the Spirit of God is at work in us. But sometimes trials and tribulations force us into that mushroom mentality where we're just like, it should have happened this way, happened this way, happened this way. And listen, you have to remember who you're dealing with. When a man wants to do something, there's a way he calculates. Oh, I want to start a business. What do I need? I need capital. Listen, when God wants to do something, he doesn't think capital. He thinks power. Are you with me? He thinks power. You're dealing with a God who has stupendous ability. Excuse that expression. Stupendous. Listen, what might be a trial for you, there are a billion ways he can handle it. Billion. He's not Dr. Strange, you have to understand. Dr. Strange, look, how do we beat Thanos? He went into 14 million realities. Don't worry, you know, you never watched the film. 14 million realities and only one possibility. God is not like, God is not Dr. Strange. When you want to um, have electricity, you know, you say, okay, we need a transformer to step down and step up. We need, you know, um, you know, conductors, we need insulators. You'd... God just says, let there be light. Are you getting the difference? So, when you're dealing with a being who has limitless capabilities, who is capable of more than the human mind can, mind can comprehend, there is going to be that divide, especially in our perspective of emergency. I'll give you three simple examples. The Israelites are in bondage in Egypt. This is the world power at the time. They have weapons. It's a secure nation. How are they going to be free? And then God appears to Moses. And he says, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You have to picture this. You know, Moses is trying to persuade God, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. I'm just a shepherd boy. I have no army. I have no military experience. And he's also meant to stand in front of Pharaoh and say, answers. You know, sorry, let my people go. You know. <laughs> This is a bad idea. And it's like, who should I say sent me? Listen, you have to understand there are many things God should have said. After all, he introduced himself as Jehovah. Man of what? In fact, that was a more befitting name, maybe. I want to throw in Jehovah or something, but you know, God looks at the pettiness of it all. This Pharaoh, these Egyptians, they have many gods. So if I say I'm the man of war, I'm the, they, they will, 
they will think I'm just one of those. Tell him, I am what that, that I am. Modern day palace, it is what it is. Like, you know, like, Nami. Just tell him, Nami. Everything your gods are pretending to be, I am. And it's like, okay, 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 Majo. But, <laughs> but how? How am I going to do it? Are you going to give me an army? How do I stand before him? You know, and you see, God is so, like I said, stupendous in power and might. Like, too many it's just like my daughter, like days ago, my daughter was screaming, running away from the parlor. She can't be dramatic like that, my first daughter. And I said, what is it? She said, Daddy, Rochi is in the, in the parlor. I said, oh, God. Come and see, come and see. And I went, very tiny insect too. I said, in our days, we, did, we use this thing, foam cooking now. <laughs> Not taste it, boy, you know. Don't act like you didn't experiment all those things. Like you have not dissected insect before. Just remove the wings, remove the head. If you try the raisin, I don't form. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> but children of this is, yeah. I'm like, ah, okay. And she's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to kill it? I'm like, what do you mean how? And, and so that's the way I picture Moses telling God, what are you going to do about Pharaoh? <laughs> what am I going to do? Okay, what is in your hand? <laughs> are you getting this? So, Pharaoh is so small that you're not listening to me. Oh, you're a shepherd. who use this same rod to command Pharaoh. Now Lazarus is sick. They're like, they send the word to you very much. He's sick. Come quickly for him. And Jesus does not come. There are many reasons for that. They are just trying to kill him days before. He doesn't come. You know, some people think he waited four days. No, by the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead. There's a reason her mind was not even going to of Lazarus rising. Like, Many people don't understand that story. I can tell you that category. What was it that led? This was not the first or the second time Jesus had done it. The first two times, it didn't garner that much attention as this time. So what was it that was special about this one? The moment Lazarus was raised from the dead, the chief priests couldn't take it anymore. They wanted to kill Jesus immediately. They also wanted to kill Lazarus because it was too much testimony, you know, backing up Jesus' ministry. Just wanted to end both of them. What was it about this miracle that drove all the haters to a frenzy? There was something about this one. And let me tell you, there's a bit of Hebraic history, Jewish history, all right? There were Hebraic writings at the time, like the Talmud, and some of them are still available today. And it was... A popular Jewish belief that when someone dies, the person's soul still hovers around, hovers around the dead body. They all believed that. Hovers around the dead body, but for three days. Mind you, these people had seen the dead come back to life. Elijah had done it. But they believed 
All of that can only happen in the first three days. After three days, the spirit now departs. After which, all that is left is the possibility of the final resurrection and only God can do that. So this is, the, this is why even though Jesus had raised two different people from the dead, but day four, Martha was already like, oh, he will rise again at the final day. No hope. To understand the gravity of Jesus raising Lazarus up after four days. He had been saying, I am the father and one. They didn't really get it. But now, oh my God. I mean, this is, this is God in flesh. You raise someone for this. It's God. That's why the Jews couldn't take it. He had been irking them, annoying the Jews since. They didn't kill him. After that one, he couldn't take it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now this is what you need to realize from the story. You know, a lot of people read that story and like, and they're like, oh, their conclusion is, oh, God raised Lazarus from the dead. He can raise my dead relative. And you're correct. But that's not the main point of the story. The main point of the story is deeper than that. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? The main point of the story is deeper than that and bigger than that. Hey, this is the main point of the story. Not that Jesus can raise Lazarus, but that Jesus is the resurrection. You have to understand this. The resurrection. The Jews believe that all men who believe will be raised up on the last day. And Jesus said, I am the one. I am that one. It will be at my voice, at my command, that all dead at the last day will rise. So how dare you think that Lazarus was hopeless because he had been dead for this? News flash. At the end of the age, many would have been dead for millions of years, maybe thousands of years. And let me say, there are six billion Christians who have died for 10 million years. Maybe, maybe not that much. Jesus is coming soon. Don't think 10 million. All right? Let me say, 10 billion Christians dead for 10,000 years. And at the trump of God, are you with me? There will be 10 billion resurrections at once. Do you understand what I'm saying? 10 billion. So he says, I am the resurrection. So the point is, even if I came there 10 days after, I'm still on time. Even if I came there two months after, I'm still on time. Even, I, even if I came there one year after, I'm still on time. 10 years after, I'm still on time. Don't you understand? Everyone who dies and believes in Jesus will rise. Can I tell you something? When you pray for the dead to rise, you are praying a prayer that has already been answered. It's now a question of when. That prayer has been answered. That prayer has been answered. Oh, this changes everything. This changes everything. 
So now, you have the sense of emergency. Oh, before the person dies, you have to do something. Or the person dies, raise the person up now. And excuse this question, but imagine God asks you, why? Why must the person rise now? Let me say this to you. You know, people hardly talk about this. Do you know that in the entire Bible, only 10 people were raised from the dead? Beginning to end. Jesus raised three people from the dead. Do you think that only three people died during Jesus? Jesus knew only three people who died in his time. When Jesus was telling the disciples, let's go, let's go and preach. And they said, oh, we have a relative to bury. What did Jesus say? Did he say, oh, let's go. You mean, oh, you have relatives that are dead. You didn't tell me, let's go. He didn't say that. When Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he says, concerning them that are asleep, I will write to you so that you realize people should stop sleeping. How can this be happening when you're Christians? Is that what he said? He says, don't mourn like them that have no hope. Do you understand? So there is a sense of emergency that we have because we don't know who we are dealing with. Death is such a disastrous event. Because from a natural standpoint, it is beyond our ability. There is a reason why when someone says, I have a headache, you say, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry. Just rest. Drink water. But there are some things a friend says, oh, the doctor says I have this. It's not because one is bigger than the other. It's just because one seemingly is beyond medical ability. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is a game of power. And when you're dealing with a God who has stupendous ability, even death does not frighten him. And he has done something about it. And so, someone who catches this revelation will begin to talk in a way that many human beings will not understand. He says, now Paul says, I'm in a fix betwixt two. To depart and be with Christ is far better. To stay is beneficial. He said, to die is far better. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Not that to die is okay. Ah, oh, why did it happen? But okay. No, to die is gain. Friends, this is the gospel. Are you with me this morning? This is the gospel. And this changes everything. This is the kind of mindset, all right, that Abraham, a man that existed way before the redemptive work was actually provided. It was an understanding he had. Oh, you want me to sacrifice Isaac? Oh, you plan to raise him up? No big deal. No big deal. Let's go. Do you know what it means to live with the conviction of the power of the resurrection? Do you understand what I'm saying? In practical terms, let's go, Isaac. You'll be all right. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? If you believe this, it will change your life. So people are watching Insta Instagram Live. People are standing in front of the toll gate in solidarity, singing a national anthem. And then some soldiers release the bullets. 20th of this month, right? And all over the world, people were asking. In fact, someone even tweeted and tagged me, said, please, I want to know, why did this happen? Why didn't God do something about it? How could God be watching? And such a massacre will happen. Did he not do it in the Bible? First and foremost, if you want to go by the Bible, you understand that such things have already been happening. There's always been, listen, there were several massacres in the Bible. Are you aware that when Moses was born, every child that was his age and under was killed? That when Jesus was born, every child that was his age and under was killed? But guess what? Those two massacres in the Bible were indicative that salvation was coming. It happened in Egypt because the devil knew Moses was coming and he was paranoid. He wanted to stop him by all means. When you see great evil like that, the devil is reacting to something God is about to do in that country. And he's trying to stop it. So what a paradox it will be to think God was silent. No, Herod tried to kill all the children because Jesus was born. Are you getting this? Your conviction will always influence your conclusion. So now, imagine, listen, when Jesus was born and children were killed, there was crying everywhere. Do you know what it means for every toddler in a city to be killed? You will hear cries on the streets from house to house, with due respect to what happened days ago. That's infinitesimally insignificant compared to this. And God did not neglect his people. In fact, those were strategic moments in history where God was going to make his power known more than that generation had ever seen. And mark my words, it might take three years or six years or even a decade. But the Lekki massacre will count for something. A miraculous revival is coming to this nation. Say loud amen if you believe. Well, I just came to tell you, be of good cheer. Turn the Bibles, First Thessalonians.
Is someone encouraged this morning? <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. The people who are totally and utterly devastated about death are the people who don't have the hope of the gospel. That's what he's saying. So if if you have the hope of the gospel, it changes your perspective. You really are crying about someone who is better than you. Chances are, if you raise the person from the dead, the first thing the person will do when it comes by is slap you. You know what I was experiencing? What I was enjoying? Does not do. Praise the Lord. view of death. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, even so also, them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Hallelujah. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Do you believe that this morning? Then act like it. Your gospel is that death has lost its sting. Like a dog that no longer has his teeth trying to bite you. And it just fastens itself around you and, and all you feel is gone. And you're still trying. And you look with understanding and with pity. Oh, death, where is your stink? Where is your victory? Death has lost its sting. The grave has lost its victory. We have the victory. And so, you know, eventually, no matter the trials and the tribulations, you go through, you know, you know how it's going to end. It's just like a movie. You've already watched the end. In it with someone who has not seen it. And the person is losing his mind. What will happen? What are you like? Just watch. What will happen? Just watch. Just watch. I hope you are like that. Some people will say, hey, hey, this is the place he died. Spoilers. <laughs> I hope we didn't ask you. Death has lost his victory. We have the victory. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 
996-7000. Blessings. Mm -hmm.